Hey everybody, welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We are here with Dudley DeBosier. We've got a great crew of guys here. We've got some excellent bourbon brought to you by Baton Rouge Bourbon Society. Some barrel picks I brought over for us to enjoy. We're recording this at their location. And I'm really excited to learn about their history, their heritage, kind of how they formed Dudley DeBosier, where they got, how they got to where they are today and kind of where they're going, some forward looking, as well as some lessons learned along the way. But before we get into that, big thank you to our wonderful sponsors, Government Taco and Falai Real Estate. Be sure to stay to the end and hear a little bit more about them. And also, this is going to be the season finale of the Patty G Show for 2021. <laughs> All We're right. going to hang our hat up for the next few months, and I'm really excited to have them on the show for that. And if y'all have been following along, y'all know why that is. I've got a kid coming in about four or five weeks. And so I'm kind of taking some time off to get right with the family, make sure everything's in order. But 2022, we're going to hit y'all very strong. And we're also going to be doing some catch-ups with past guests throughout my time while I'm at home via Zoom and some just some lower end stuff, but still very fun to catch up with past guests upcoming. But without further ado, we're here with Deli DeBosier and their team. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for having us. This is awesome. I'm excited to learn about y'all's story and hear about how y'all got to where y'all are. And hopefully the bourbon is mediocre at best. (laughs) It it is uh, fantastic. I'm a bourbon fan and uh, thank you. Absolutely. For bringing some good stuff. Let me, let me make sure. Absolutely. Yeah, test test it out. Make sure it tastes, tastes <laughs> up to your standards. For, Absolutely. First ship of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. That's it. After five o'clock, right? We're yeah. just getting Change. started. Right. So how did y'all kind of get here to where we're sitting at in front? I guess we'll start with kind of James and work our way on down. What's your story, man? What's your, what kind of a kid were you? Oh, going that far back. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Uh, kid? Well, let's see. I, I spent some time in Bratton Rouge till I was two and a half, and then uh, I moved to New Orleans. My mom was a teacher, my dad an engineer, and uh, I don't know what kind of kid was I. Um, not a bad kid. As a teacher's kid, we were very uh, studious. They took uh, education very serious, which I, I have a feeling when you talk to all of us, you'll find that's a pretty reoccurring theme in the fact that uh, we all grew up with uh, parents that were educators. And uh, I, I think when you look at us, we we didn't grow up with a lot of money. We didn't have a lot, but uh, we 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 were taught family values and taught the importance of education. And uh, now that I practice my three best friends, it's or two best friends, the three of us. It's uh, pretty cool that uh, those values throughout the three of us, because of our parents, were uh, pretty important to us. Um, from from there, I moved to Homa, and uh, very different to live. Uh, uh, from New Orleans to Homa. Uh, it's a little bit of a culture shock, but uh, at, at fifth grade culture, I don't, I don't know what culture means. And, uh, uh, but Homa is a lot more of a town with the, uh, rather than sports, uh, the typical sports I was playing, which is swimming and all that, a lot more hunting and fishing and thing going on. So, right. The sports were like shrimp yeah, trawling. That's great. You know, running <laughs> a trot line across the canal, stuff like that. That's it. Homa's. <laughs> Home was interesting and different. I love my time. Love my right. time there. It's a great, great place. If I was raising a family, it'd be a good place to raise a family. So, I love it. I yeah. love it. Keep moving down. <laughs> Steve DeBosier, uh, born and raised right here in Baton Rouge. My mother uh, taught at Saint I Wishes for forty years. She's still alive. Everybody knows her. It took me uh, a whole lot of advertising to be on TV for a whole long time before people had found me to be who I am and not Dot's son. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but uh, she's cool. And as, as James pointed out, we're all uh, from educators. You know, my, my dad was an engineer as well. And my mother taught forever and, and taught us the values. Now, by, you know, confession, if my mother watched this and I said something as bold as I was a good kid, <laughs> it would not go over well because I was the youngest of seven. And so I, I created a fair amount of problems growing up. But I figured, out, you know, eventually you had to get it straight. So did. Went to Catholic High here in Baton Rouge and went to LSU and enjoyed it. Went to LSU Law School and can't get out of this town. I love it. Yeah. It's a great place. Absolutely. I, th- I think I can kind of relate with you. Fourth of I'm fourth of five, so not quite seven of seven, but it's still going in with that notion of, oh, yeah, you're so-and-so's younger sibling or you're so-and-so's kid. Like, no, I'm a myself. Oh, yeah. I got to make a name oh, for myself. It, yeah. Come on now. Oh, yeah. Patty no, G show. Said, know me as Patty G. <laughs> Call me that. What is it for? Anything but late for dinner, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, that's it's true. I mean, I really was Dot's son forever. And you go everywhere and say, I tell them my name, and they're like, oh, are you Dot's son? I'm like, yeah, I'm, 
that son. It, 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 You're not fun. wrong in the statement, but <laughs> funny you say that. My mom was a teacher and principal, and the mall that we had was the only mall around in home at the time. I remember trying to go from store to store to buy shoes, and you you couldn't make it from store to store without somebody knowing your mom and chatting about their kids and what's going on in the community. And uh, I know that's consistent oh, throughout yeah. all of us, man. We yeah. we had we had some great moms, so Absolutely. blessed. Absolutely. We'll keep moving down. Come on. Uh, my story is a little bit different. I'm uh, born in Southern California, uh, but then was raised in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, I played a lot of tennis growing up. Competitive tennis was a nationally ranked junior. Got a scholarship to go to, it's called IMG now. It used to be called Voluntaries and went there for 10th, 11th, 12th grade and then got offered a scholarship to play at LSU. Came to LSU, played tennis for four years, had a great experience, loved being a Tiger and um, took a year, taught tennis, uh, was a tennis pro and then decided I want to go back to school, went to law school and then started my legal career. I, I think we're all the first attorneys that's right. Family, right? I mean, yep. we're all. No, were, you, were your parents also a teacher and engineer? No. So there's a no, pattern here. I'm just my, teacher, <laughs> Teachers and engineers, do they produce attorneys? Is that how it works? <laughs> my, my parents were both entrepreneurs. And okay. uh, my mom was more in the public relations field. My dad was more in the entertainment industry in Hawaii. And um, both just kind of, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, you know, make their own way. And that definitely set the tone for how we are, how I'm wired. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I was the first attorney. Didn't really know much about what being an attorney was when I was in law school, but figured it out along the way. I oh, love yeah. that. I want to be a lawyer, and my, my dad said, no. We're all engineers. We're all engineers. You want to be an engineer? I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> wow, so y'all kind of went against the grain then, all three of y'all. I mean, what drove you to want to be a lawyer? What's the technical term? Attorney, lawyer, what's the, what's the right term? Well, um, we, we use them both interchangeably. Okay. I think um, it, it, my experience with, you know, there was an attorney that when I was growing up and each summer when I wanted to go play tennis tournaments, we, we called it the mainland. If you're from Hawaii and you go to California or anywhere in the continental U.S., it's called the mainland. And I would raise money to travel each summer. So I would go play with people I played with at the club, uh, doctors, attorneys, et cetera, would I would say, hey, look, I'm trying to raise X amount of dollars to go play tournaments this summer. What are you helping me out? There's a guy that actually would foot the whole bill. He's just like, oh, wow. where, where you got to go? I, you know, you're doing good. I, I see what you're doing. He also funded a lot of other kids that that did this. And um, he was a he was an attorney. He was a plaintiff's attorney. And I was like, that's, that's kind of cool. And, he, um, you know, and that was um, pretty interesting. When I got out of school, I'm like, I like to read, I like to write. I think this might be my thing. Uh, went to law school. I actually enjoyed law school, got out, worked for a plaintiff's firm and like, okay, this is, this is what I want to do as, as my story. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to be a, a lawyer from the beginning. I, I enjoyed <laughs> it. I did debate in high school. And okay. I mean, I trying to find the, the connection. Like how does a kid want to say, I want to be an attorney or a lawyer? Yeah. From the just, yeah. Being in the courtroom. You know, what's interesting about this is that, you know, have you ever dealt with lawyers? The vast majority of lawyers are terrified of public speaking. The vast majority of public is terrified of public speaking. And so when you go to law school, there's a lot of people in there that have zero desire to be in the court. They, they don't want. And you would think that would be the opposite, but I'm dyslexic. Uh, so I, I have no desire to sit and read all day. <laughs> Chad does all the reading. <laughs> uh, uh, Chad takes notes for me. I take his notes and uh, <laughs> I go through his notes. But I, I'd rather be standing up speaking than anywhere behind a book ever. Yeah. Chad, did you debate? Yes, I did. Actually, when I was in law school, I enjoy. I'm, I actually like public speaking. Yeah, I enjoy being in front of people. Um, but uh, also, I like reading. Uh, Patrick, you debated too, didn't you? I did debate. I was about to say, James, if you debated as well, I did. That's I'm, I'm sitting here saying oh, okay. that was a common theme. <laughs> the one I didn't know for sure whether Chad debated. I, I debated as a kid, which piqued my interest. I much like Chad. Um, I interacted with some people that had some money and some wonderful lifestyles, but they also helped people. Um, and I really looked at them and admired them and appreciated them. And, and that, and my, my, my mom died in a car wreck with a drunk driver of an 18 wheeler. And so between the three, it kind of galvanized, uh, where I wanted to go, which is, uh, not only to be the attorney to debate, but also to help people, but also to help those that, uh, that are underprivileged, that need help, that are in a real situation. I know the situation my dad was in 
and the family taking care of me, but also, I mean, it was tough on him. And um, looking at that situation back on it, 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 when you talk about what field did I want to go into, it made it easy for me to make that decision. Right. Yeah. I know I was, I did debate and it pushed me the opposite direction. I'm like, I don't want to be an attorney. I love debate. I love speaking, <laughs> you know, I love public speaking and all that. But we were, I was homeschooled. So I was in, you know, fake school or whatever, you know, not the real school debating, but it still opened your eyes to what that courtroom could feel like, what that room of interrogation mm-hmm. could feel like. It was really incredible. Now you, within all those similarities, I've yet to hear kind of how y'all connected to create deadly debauchery. I mean, you're from Hawaii and California, you know, you're from Homa, you're from the Baton Rouge area. So how did y'all end up linking arms? Was it law school? Was it something else? How did, how did y'all get here to be the three, to be the trio y'all are? Well, look, it's a, it's a really interesting story with a lot of background. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how long you have, but I do think it's fair that James can start this story because he's the one that started at the firm uh, before Chad and I were there. I got it. We, 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 all, we all work together. Yeah, yeah. We, we all work together for a firm, and uh, and and the firm had some issues and is about to blow up. And uh, we had a choice to go start our own practices or band together and uh, start a new a new firm. We chose to start a new firm. Uh, Steve and James, you guys knew, knew each other pretty well. They they uh, adopted me. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We did. We were at the firm together, and I can tell you that. Steve and I were the two people that were litigating all the cases, and I, I was learning so much from Steve. We were feeding off each other. and Yeah, really, learning from each other, I should yeah, say. We, we were, I mean, thoroughly enjoying that, and we were rookie lawyers. But, but one of the things I've always appreciated about Steve is he always wanted to be better at his craft. And, and um, oh, my gosh, man, he, he, he worked hard to study then to be better and to feed off of that to want to be better – like he was, I, I hope I helped him, but he certainly helped me go, man, this isn't just about turning over cases. This is about, and it's not even just about helping people because at that time it was a lot about helping people, but it, it was, became about how do you perfect your craft and how do you get great at what you do? And, uh, uh, Steve inspired me to do that. Then Chad kind of came along, Chad a little different in the sense that, uh, not from a litigation standpoint, but, Oh my gosh, Chad's ability to organize and put things in place and to manage to make things easier for everybody else and talk about somebody that loved perfecting his craft. Um, dude, Chad brought to the table the the tools for us that helped us elevate our firm into one of the top litigation firms and I'd, I'd say the state, but we're called in throughout the country to try cases for people a lot because of Chad's organization and the work we do, not only learning, but now teaching. And uh, it's kind of very cool to to be practicing with uh, two people that care, work so hard to be better at what they do and be the best they can do, both in law, but in a lot of ways. So uh, James, awesome James is giving us a lot of credit. But <laughs> the truth is, is that James didn't have to work as hard as me because he was just naturally talented. So he, he could just laugh at me while I busted my ass. <laughs> All right, I got you, brother. But he was just good at it, so. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun working together. And it's like been a fun wild ride. We've been uh, it's been awesome. It's been a crazy it wild been. ride. Yeah, about what was it? Twelve years ago. Twelve years ago. Twelve years ago, we uh, purchased another firm, um, and and I can tell you that the uh, scared as could be, we took on more debt than I can imagine at that time, and uh, uh, that that was a bonding experience. I can tell you that. But uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, we did find out uh, something uh, early on, though. <laughs> we found out that there is a number where you borrow from the bank where the bank has control of you, and then there's a number where you, you owe so much and you got control over the bank. <laughs> they just want you to make some type please. of payment. Yeah, please just show up. You know, please, you know, help us out. Yeah. Um, we were there. We were we were in over our heads. I've been in both courts. Oh yeah. So it's. I'm, um, I'm hoping Tina Neem's in watching. <laughs> our lender, our good friend lender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was some scary times there in the beginning. Very scary times. Yeah, a wild ride. But uh, no, it's been it, it's crazy to think to where we are now, and it's been awesome. Yeah, I mean, with any entrepreneur starting from scratch, essentially, I mean, y'all had a firm, y'all had the experience, but it was how do we run this business thing? What is it like running a business? I mean, you came from entrepreneurs, but it's a matter of how do we all three come together, write an operating agreement that we can agree on. And then push forward as business owners. I mean, was that scary taking that leap? We oh. had we had a kickstart in the sense that um, we we started with clients. We started with a 
Chad, who knew how to uh, uh, organize and run a practice. He was actually brought in to do that. And we started with some guys, two guys that actually knew how to try cases. So we had, we had an easier start than some, other than we had some setbacks that we had to deal with him that weren't our fault at the time. Yeah, we went, we went and met with this guy, and I won't, I won't name drop who he is, but he's just a really smart guy, ran a bunch of businesses, and uh, we, we took over you know, the business, and we had 60 employees, something like that. Oh, we took over, we only, it was like 15 or 20. No, total employees. Oh. Thought, yeah, total. Yeah. And this guy's like, you know, just go through everybody on your that, that you work with. We had worked with, and now we were the bosses, and they said, you know, go figure out whoever has a bad attitude, man, get rid of them. So what if they're doing a great job? No, if they got a bad attitude, you got to get rid of them. We're like, crap. So we sat in a bar in uh, Nashville and we took the list of employees and we had 22. Well, no, I mean, yeah, exactly. He, he goes, uh, go through the 22 list. out of 60? Yes. They, they weren't. Wow. We, we didn't hire them. I mean, they, 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 were, they came with inherited they them. Came, yes. Gotcha. No, he, he said, he, he challenged us. He goes, uh, look at the list and everything you know about everyone on this list, which ones would you enthusiastically Rehire. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a determination of who wasn't a good worker. It was who would you not enthusiastically rehire, which is a totally different If ball. you hesitate, you, that's not enthusiastic. Right. <laughs> well, but look, to, to the credit, out of 60 people, to have 40 people that you know behind the scenes, you're not the boss that they're showing up for because we didn't know them as bosses at the time. Mm -hmm. um, to have 40 people that you would enthusiastically rehire, that, when you look at it that way, that's a great number as opposed yeah. to 20 people you don't want. So when Steve put it that way, uh, I tell you, we worked with some great people. It was, it was awesome. Well, early on to set the tone saying, look, your culture is more important. Uh, it's so important. I mean, is everyone rowing in the same direction? Do they, do they believe in the same things is client service is being great at what you do is looking after one another is giving back to the community. Are all these things part of their, why they do what they do. And if it's not, then you're going to have trouble building a great place to work regardless of the industry. And that was something that hit home early on that became the foundation of, of our firm. We had three or four of what I would say were our absolute best workers in the sense that, well, I don't know to define workers, but three or four people that would put out great work. Some of the best work workers we had but at the same time, when we sat down and you didn't just, if, if it wasn't just who cranks out work, if it's who cares about the people around them, who's nice, who cares about the clients, um, uh, who cares about the community. And when you start talking about building a foundation of people that you want to work with, that you want to wake up every day and go to work with, it was amazing that four or five people that were money producers we all three knew we we had our list separate right we didn't show them and i, I felt weird putting these people on the list i'm like man they're gonna make fun of me because they are making us they're making money they'll make us money right but they didn't fit the rest of the boxes and all three of us put them and i was like the wow. same people yeah yeah and just wow. and you know who's not you know yeah. who's not on the, going in the same direction and um yeah it's a it's an exercise I would encourage every business to do. Oh, man. If, if, if anybody's watching this, you want to learn one thing we learned, figure out what your core values are and hire based on those core values, fire based on those core values, promote based on those core values. Celebrate. Uh, celebrate everything that they're doing. The people that are doing great, pay them. And the people that, you know, the, the ones that are doing a good job, but then they walk to the water cooler and bitch and complain about everybody and suck the life out of everybody, you got to let them go. And that was the hardest step for us to say, we're, you know, we're going to keep the people that are doing a great job and that love each other and they care about the community and care about our clients. And the ones that don't, we just got to let them go. But and it's man, not about them because once they're gone, the the positive people that feed off each other, that help each other, that help the clients, they can't wait to step up to do the job of the next person as opposed to being upset about what happens next to them. It creates a great work environment. I was pretty exactly. proud Multiple times we've got picked as one of the best places to work in Baton Rouge. And I think it's because of the system and who we hire now. Yeah, In, in the early years, it was, hiring was tough. Like It was a challenge to say, hey, look, here's what we're doing. And you want to come on board and let us tell you why we're a great place to work. And it was a, a battle. There was a point after which it tipped 
where now we got like a waiting list or, I mean, just people, Hey, look, just put me on your list. Next time you hire somebody for this position, that position, just give me a holler. And a lot of that had to do with building that culture where people talk about, Hey, I enjoy going to work here. I enjoy doing what I do here. And it just creates a vibe. And it's one of those things that once it's in place, you're like, well, that's easy, but it's, it took work to get there. It's hard to get there. If we need to hire somebody, we had to put a blind ad so that people didn't know where they were coming to work. <laughs> yeah, in the, early, the first year, yeah. It was it was yeah. just attorney needed or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, whatever. You know, you know. Whatever the position was, there's no company name. Call us, come see us, and we'll say who we are. And yes. in this environment now, where finding good people is hard in this environment, you know, but we hardly advertise for spots. I mean, they people want to come work here. And that yeah. makes us, as owners, proud. That's that's when you, you really feel like you've accomplished something. People are like, I want to come work with you guys. No, because gosh, we got like we were talking about this the other day. I mean, it, it it's funny. We we there's events like a a thanks we do a, a big lunch for Thanksgiving or a Christmas dinner thing or Christmas party, and you look around the room at every person that you get to work with and go, holy, uh, holy cow, <laughs> holy cow, <laughs> <laughs> we got some good people. Yeah, yeah, like good good people get to work with. I, so when we started, I, we talked about this. If I had a friend refer and come to the office, I might have been worried about what attorney it went to. Like, oh, not Joe. There's no Joe. But I mean, <laughs> right. But because we inherited some people. But now uh, I can say with confidence if if somebody, I, a friend of mine comes here, it won't matter who they get assigned to because whoever they get assigned to is going to care. And we have a team concept where even if the case isn't right for that person. Um, whether it's their knowledge level, whether they've been here long enough, the case moves along to the person in a team concept uh, to make sure that it gets in the hands of, the, of the, the right attorney to handle that case. And so you'll never work a case here that's above your level. You've, you've been trained, even if you're in the beginning, you won't work a case on your own until you're ready to work a smaller case. Uh, and it's taken a long time and hard work to get there with the team concept of uh, if you come here, I'm you're going to get a fantastic attorney that's ripe to work your case. In addition to that, you've got a whole team behind you that can't wait to jump on it no matter what, whether it's teaching and working together on it to make a small case the best it can be or the biggest cases, not just in the state but the country, our team gets called in, which we're pretty fired up about. I think that is like the key to success right there, right? Getting Y'all knew you had to get rid of 20 people to get your 40 core people. And establishing that culture early on, I'm sure, has led to the success that y'all are today. Because the fact that y'all were able to look at it and say, it's not about the dollars that these five or six people bring in. It's more about what they do to the whole company and how they impact it. And then allowing those other people to have the freedom and ability to say, I'm comfortable now rising up. I'm comfortable pushing forward more work. Whereas these top earners may have just been, you know, going after it and not caring who they stepped on along the way. It's now everybody's more of a family. And I mm-hmm. think that is important not only in the field y'all are in, but any business, any entrepreneur needs to take a close look around. Who are your core employees? Who are all of your employees? And are they all going in the same direction, regardless of the monetary value they bring into the company? That's right. It's about That's the right. culture. Yeah. It is. The culture is for us the number one thing. Drives mm-hmm. everything else. Well, what is a movie where the, the two towns have a common en- enemy? And they say, okay, let's let's get some people together and we're gonna go fight. One town brings four thousand, another one brings three hundred, and they're like, dude, you only brought three hundred. You're like, well, you brought four thousand farmers with pitchforks. I brought three hundred warriors. Like, we got a crew, and oh my gosh, we got some crazy, I'll say, badass people that just got. <laughs> they're so good at what they do. They care about the client. I mean, we got a group that it just like they're just killers. They're, yes, I mean, they're just go out there and get after it and go to bat our clients at a level that is just um it's humbling to be associated with them and yes that's cool as far yeah to, to be comfortable with so many people doing such great stuff and, and just knowing it yeah and yeah, that friend of mine in, in florida has a real big business there and his story is if i'm walking down the hall and i gotta avoid somebody's door because they might ask me to go to lunch i need to get rid of that person <laughs> <laughs> especially I lunch if i, mean, I can't come go on. to lunch with this person you know and so for us it's we're spread thin because we have you know, 200 something employees and team members. And, and so we can't go to lunch with everybody all the time, but we, we try our best to make sure we, we spread around to let everybody know that we care about them, love them. And, and it's important, you know, but if you, if you're walking by going, Oh, 
You just sneak out the back door and dive in a bush <laughs> to avoid this person. That's not good. You know, we, we want to have a firm with people that love each other and care about each other and support each other. Yeah. And especially within the community that we're in within Baton Rouge, Louisiana, you know, every guest y'all, we've had a hundred plus guests on the show. And every time I ask them the question, y'all will get asked at the end of the show is what do you love about Baton Rouge? They also always say the people. And so what, having 100%. people focused company is like, how do you, how are you successful in Baton Rouge? People focused, mm-hmm. whether it's client facing or client inward within the staff, you got to have people come first and then whatever the dollars come in, that's what they come in. That's right. You know, you know, it's interesting is that it just hit me. We're all educators, right? Or we came from families of educators and educate was important. I think one of the things that uh, I got from Chad is I've never seen anybody that reads more books than <laughs> Steve learns, but he learns in a different way. He's always seeking knowledge. Chad reads more books than anybody I know. Uh, you can get into it later, but we bought an ad agency in Nashville and the guy that owned it before we bought it was a dear friend of ours, Arnie. But Arnie started a thing called the uh, Better Book Club, and it's it's uh, it's a club where, as a company, you pay people to read, and and we do that, and we're excited about paying people to read. But not just that. I guess what it, it doesn't matter where you are in our office. One of the things that we want out of the people that work for us is to better themselves, whether it's reading, going to classes. I, we support that, like like. I mean, it's what we want. It's what we expect from somebody to work here. It's not just to get your job done, but to want to be better. Chad, you had a saying all the time about uh, whether you'd rather keep somebody or get rid of somebody with learning. I'm going to say it, but I'm going to get it wrong. But it's no, true. We, 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 you know, we always talk about, like, we invest a lot in making our team better and training and continuing education. And, and even if lot- they're going to do it and go someplace else. <laughs> right. Even if they're going to train them to be smart and I, grade their job and go someplace else. And, and, so goes, and that's and what we, I'm talking we, about. Hey, one second, asked. Chad, is this a good idea to train people <laughs> to leave us? And to- <laughs> I, I guess better to, I mean, he goes, what happens if we train them and then they leave? I said, what happens if we don't and they stay? <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> Took and that one yeah. comment and we said, oh, yeah. Shit, okay. It's pretty smart sometimes. <laughs> no, no, 100%. I mean, exactly. If you keep somebody and they have no idea how to do their job, but you're like, oh, they're not going to leave us. That's right. You're not getting the best out of them. That's yeah. right. But we want- can give multiple examples of people that we've helped <laughs> get along and leave. And now we've either come back or wanted to come back and we're trying to find a position for them. And those, or, or those they are go on and do want. some great things and we work with them. And, I mean, and so it's just helps. like a, a, we think that you know, pursue excellence, be great at what you do. And it's, it's going to work out. Yeah. hundred percent. And so the, the, uh, the producer Cody said he grew up with y'all as the people on the t- people on the bus, the guys on the bus mm-hmm. and James, you just <laughs> inside the bus, inside <laughs> the bus. So, no. I mean, we, we, uh, we around the bus, uh, Dri- okay. driving the bus. Did you see the bus that got in a wreck and ran into the house? Right, it was right down the street a couple yeah. years ago. Y'all, y'all can't was, see Cody, but he's got this great mustache <laughs> with the handlebars over he gets there. He to hide behind the cameras. Yeah, I don't know how old he is, but but he looks about 30 years old, and it sure made us feel old when he said, we grew up with y'all on the bus. <laughs> We've only been on the buses for six or seven years. <laughs> so, but, but on that, in, in Baton Rouge, you always hear about billboard lawyers, bus lawyers, bench lawyers, and James, you were mentioning how y'all got y'all acquired a firm out in Nashville. Can we go into that about the the marketing tactics used within the firm? Well, I, I think the interesting thing is that, I mean, New Orleans is possibly ground zero for advertising attorneys in the sense that things Arizona versus Bates, which is the Supreme Court case that came out and said, hey, look, it's okay for attorneys to advertise. And that was in the 1980s. And at that time, you had a couple cities where attorneys went full blast and Morris Bart was one of them out of New Orleans. And, and so Louisiana kind of was, I say, early adopter uh, in terms of advertising. And now it's just, that's just what you do as an attorney to, to build your practice. And, um, and so we've gone to that path and it's been a wild ride because when we started, it was much simpler. It was okay. Go do yellow pages. Uh, you know, do, remember do some yellow TV. Pages? Yeah. Go do you remember yellow pages? <laughs> no, you, no, you don't. He's like, yeah, he's using it as a doorstop. <laughs> you got to talk your monitor up on something, you know. <laughs> I think and, I use those as fire starters. Yeah. <laughs> Rip pages out of them, ball them up. Yeah, no, yeah. we're not. It was not Back that good. Back in the day. And, uh, and then maybe, you know, try this internet thing. And, and so now it's, it's 
crazy more complex and um and it, everyone's doing it there's not doctors attorneys Banks, other professional services accountants, accountants um it's just that's just the way of the world right and um it's been a wild journey and we've always tried to stay innovative and ahead of the curve and um in 2018 we purchased an advertising agency that does branding for about 40 or 45 law firms across the country that's been a cool thing i mean we a lot of things that we've developed here at delhi de bozier well i've been on maybe four or five different podcasts in the past month and they use our terminology they use our systems and processes they use our lingo and the impact that we've been able to have on not just our firm but other firms that do what we do has been that's been fun oh it's been yeah we'll, we'll have th those 45 firms in nashville thursday and we'll talk to them and we'll we'll spread the knowledge we learn from them and they learn from us and it's, it's been a great success for us we, we never we never bought an ad agency uh for the purpose of making money we bought it because we wanted to protect what we had. We enjoyed our ad agency and we said, let's, let's get involved in this. And it's turned out to be fantastic. We got some incredible people busting their butt up in Nashville and does some amazing things. And we're just a beneficiary of it. Patrick, you may not know it. And I've kind of alluded to it. Steve's an unbelievable trial attorney, but what Chad does is uh, Chad runs a law firm. He was brought in to do systems and processes. He's a, uh, Unbelievably computer literate, not illiterate, but literate. <laughs> but 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 tech savvy. That's, that's kind of where he started, and it, he may even tell you the story of where he went uh, to start, even as a law clerk, and he was an overachiever back then on organization skills. Uh, but but he's been now brought into hundreds and hundreds of law firms throughout the country uh, to analyze them, to tell them what they can do better, what they can't do better. Uh, he's also been hired by uh, the software companies to come in and create programs on efficiencies and what uh, we can do better. He's made Steve and I's life way easier than every attorney we had, uh, not just easier, but made it more efficient. We, he is truly cutting edge technology in the law firm of how to run a firm and not in the sense that, you know, you get nervous of, I don't want somebody telling me the cookie cutter way to, to handle a case and you, and you don't, but there are certain standards that need to be done in order to have a case to be a true artist. You can't show up being an artist if you don't get all the paint laid out and everything done right. There's nobody in the country that's more cutting edge to make that happen so that we can actually practice the artistry of law. And, uh, Chad, we're, we're, we're talking about, I mean, it's yeah. kind of, we're, we're talking about going like the thing that's worked best for Delhi DeBosier is that we have this, like if you were to, come to one of our meetings and you're not uncomfortable, I'd be shocked because the level at which we challenge each other, not fight, but not fight, not nasty. Challenge, but, but <laughs> there's no, there's no, no one says, there's no rain. You can't say people that, step but up. It's, but yeah. Once or twice a month, we have a firm from somewhere in the country come sit in on our meetings. Cause we're kind of an open door firm. We're like, Hey, come on in. You want to see what we do? There's no secrets. Just come on in. Particularly with zoom now, you know, people can come people in, sit in, just sit in there, desk and then I'd fly down here. We used to have people come down all the time. Now they can just zoom in and watch. And so the, long as they have the way we, we argue issues, <laughs> Maybe. it's optional, but the way we argue issues, like not say to make them uncomfortable, but we engage because that's the only way to find the best solution. And, um, I'm fortunate that I, I, we've seen firms where it, that happens in a very toxic, destructive way. I'm fortunate. We're fortunate that we do that. And we just like, we enjoy the challenge. I mean, back to a debate team, right? Like, okay, let's find the best solution. Not, not who's right, but what's right. Yeah. We made everybody read a book on that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, no, because the, we, and Steve pushed that book as hard as anybody, but it was a book about not about uh, candor, radical candor, but it wasn't the radical candor. Wasn't just about telling somebody your feelings or your thoughts on what to do better, but it was a way to do it. But also, recognize how to receive it because um dude we all get defensive at times right but if you learn how to receive criticism and you know it's coming from a loving place a place of caring uh sure it's a whole lot easier to receive and take and you got to have the trust in each other to uh to know that wherever they're coming from they're not trying to uh 
to take you down and you were trying to help each other. We're in the same spot. And that, that is a lot about having the right people on the bus. And there, there's a, um, you know, reading a lot of books and biographies and, and, and a lot of the top coaches, there's sort of a common element that they'll describe. How do you know when you have a great team and the coaches, you can, st- you can take John Wooden, you can take Nick Simmon, like him or not, but other guys um, that have built some great teams, they say the same thing. And, and here's what they say. They say, I know I have a good team because we go through these three phases of, of standards and challenging each other. He goes, as the coach, when say we're running sprints and I don't think someone's given their full effort as the coach, that's my job. I got to say, Hey, you can run faster. You can do better. He goes, that's the price of admission. You get a little bit better when your coaches and everyone on your, your leadership says, Hey, you can run faster. You can give more. He goes, I know we have a good team when the players look at one another and go, you can do better and you can get, you could do more. And he goes, when it, the standard that we've set reaches that level, ground level where the players are calling each other out and having candid conversations about push more, do more. That's when I know we're going to have a good team. And I think it's the same way with us going, you know, having those conversations going like, look, we could have done that better. We could have done that better. Not just among ourselves, but when you get a, you know, two intake specialists saying, Hey, look, that call could have been better. Or you can, you could have been kinder to that client or you could have done and, and pushing each other to do, but that's like, Oh man, we're, we got something. And now that's, that's, that's cool. what we're shooting for. But it, as James pointed out, as long as the person receiving it knows it's coming from love, it's man it makes so much better. And it's like, no one, no one gets angry. No one gets defensive. You know, cause we look at everything and we say, whatever the problem is, what did we do to cause this problem or to, what are we doing to promote or tolerate this problem? I, and we don't look to the person and say, you're doing this, you know, cause we've told you five times. We look at it and go, should we have told them seven times or mm-hmm. should we have promoted to do something different? We look at ourselves first and then we go to them. And so that helps us with everybody. And every, every, as we get down further down the line, everybody understands that process and which makes it really cool to work together because everybody's like, they're not being mean to be mean. They just want us to all do a better job. And we're looking at each other because we want to work with people that care. <laughs> Another great line of chat is people don't like to work with wing nuts. People don't like to work with wing nuts. People yeah. who are really, really great at what they do don't enjoy working with wing nuts. I mean, <laughs> and I remember when we were hiring in the early <laughs> stages, we're like, man, we have a trouble hiring great legal assistants. Like it, like this is early, like, like, Early on, just like we put out an ad and we kind of get the, this is like, like 12, 13 years ago. And we're like, and we we're watching it and uh, we hired a great legal assistant and she wanted to quit after the first week. I said, what happened? I said, and uh, she said, well, look, uh, my first day on the, the job, um, so-and-so down the hall, her first words to me, like, who the blank are you? Yeah. That, that's how she greeted new, new hires. Yeah. I mean, I gotta let you fill in the blank. Yeah, yeah, I, I got it. Got protecting, it. She was trying to protect her territory, yeah, right? She was it. like, "I said, well, hell, that, that's. I guess that's our culture right now, but we got to get rid of that." So we had to get. Ri- I mean, that sounds silly, and you go, "Okay, well, that's common sense," but we had to address that by. Uh, well, and how are you to know that it's there until you bring someone in new and know that well, yeah. they feel their territory is being stomped on? No, absolutely. And there's little things like so you, you know, and and the person that said that was a she cranked out work. All I mean, greater job just had a toxic attitude, and so we're like, all right, we got to let go. And um, and you don't just one of the neat things is you don't get to let go of an office. I I hate to do this let go thing, like we just let people go willy nilly. One of our mantras here is you you should never be surprised if you're let go here, I mean, unless you do something <laughs> dramatic. I mean, you really shouldn't. I mean. Um, if you do something dramatic, you should, you still should not be surprised. Take a look at yourself and realize, well, what did I just do? But but nobody should ever come to work wondering, is my job in jeopardy today? That If Absolutely that has not. occurred, we have done a bad job we as failed. leaders. If, if we have not set an expectation level, have talked about it, get down and go, how can I help you achieve these levels? We made a mistake. And, and uh, so I... I when we always talk about, we're talking about getting rid of 20 people. I don't want that to go on to be the, the mantra. The mantra truly is our job is to help you 
to get to that level, right? I mean, what can we do to get you? You shouldn't be let go unless you you know what you've is expected of you, that we've talked about it. We've given you the tools to do it. Uh, hopefully we've hired somebody capable of doing it. We get very, we get rid of very few people now because almost not. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we, we do a great job. We have a, a better chance to hire good people. Um, our intake department special, our training for what we do is wonderful. And we have people now helping working together to, to get them to where they should be. I, I don't want to walk away from this because we talked about getting rid of bad people. <laughs> I mean, truly right now, our, we, Oh my gosh, the fan we have, the number of people we keep, it's a great place to work. And, and we love them in the beginning. We, we had some, some work to do, but, uh, um, I certainly don't want somebody to walk away from this going, man, they get rid of a lot of people. <laughs> Hopefully we do a great next, job. Next thing you know, you're like six emails in your inbox right. tomorrow morning. That's right. Hey James, am I getting fired today? <laughs> Is my job in jeopardy? <laughs> I say if anybody in our law firm comes to work tomorrow morning and feels like their job's in jeopardy, then we failed again because my goodness, we let people know they're doing a great job. And if somebody's doing a bad job, we're not, we don't just say, Oh, they're doing a bad job. Let's watch it for a few more weeks. And then we go and fire them. We go to them and say, Hey, you're not doing this up to, up to Dudley DeBosier standards. Let's get with your team. Let's get this better. And if that goes on for a while, they, they know my job might be in jeopardy. But, but Chad, talk about it. I mean, and I think this is important at every position at every company. The fact that everybody, when they come into work, knows their scorecard. They know yeah. what, what they're yeah, supposed fair. to achieve, what's expected of them, right? What is their job? What are the marks they've got to get to? I, in the very beginning, I'd, I'd go in with Chad, and I thought this was going to be an uncomfortable, difficult situation that we'd have to talk to somebody about. I'm not sure whether we can keep them or not, right? But if you lay out, here's where you are, here's the expectations, we've talked about it, you've got a scorecard, then how can we help you? How can we coach you up to get to that level? Then there's no longer uh, the subjectivity of, well, he didn't like me. No, it's not he didn't like me. I, what am I supposed to achieve? How do we get you there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, consulting with a lot of firms and then um you know it, it's so crazy because if we were to put it into sports concepts you say well that would be insane like going okay we're gonna go you know we're gonna show up at tiger stadium we're gonna erase all the lines we're only gonna tell you the score once a quarter and not not quarter quarter but every three months right right or, 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 some, or some companies annual yeah annual. you, know, you, you right. want to say annual but even and, then uh, in the annual reviews they're looking at your past two months right? and um we're you know we're going to tell you the rules as they come along. I don't know if that's out of bounds or you can go into the stands or if, um, you know, you got to pass the end zone to get score seven points or even if it's worth seven points and they expect people to be enthusiastic about playing this game. And I don't want to say game in the, to belittle it, but saying like people want to, people are competitive and they, they, no one likes to suck at what they do. They want to show up and kick butt. And, but if you don't tell them the rules and tell them what the score is and, given the parameters of how we're going to play the game, which is your core values, they're kind of like showing up and wandering around, right? Yeah. And Am I doing a good job or not? And if you've got a scorecard and you're working hard and you watch that scorecard improve, man, you're pretty doggone proud. You're excited about it. But yeah. if you don't have that scorecard of what's expected and we don't know what's happening, then you're showing up aimlessly, you're not doing what people appreciate it or don't. And, and uh, uh, I, it also – they want to be coached. If they're not, you come in, we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. And you're, I believe that if you if you want to work here and you're a great employee, you want to improve your weaknesses. The weaknesses, we're not here to fuss at you about them. We're here to go, heck, man, you want to be better. I want you to be better. How do we work to be better at that? And, and by the way, if you've got a scorecard, the people that are strong at that can teach the people that are weak at that section. And I, I like to think we do a better job of tracking um, not just cases, but the development of people than anybody else. And we work hard, I think, because of our education background to say, hey, how do we put in a system to make everybody better at what they do? Yeah, no, 100%. You've got, you have to be in the legal field, even in my field within accounting, you have to be employee focused because they're the ones interacting with the clients. They're the ones producing the work for the clients. And so, I mean, it's, it's obvious, focus on your team, Focus on intervals, not annual reviews or quarterly reviews. Hey, last week you did you did something bad. Let's talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. What happened? What can we do better? What can you do better? Et cetera, et cetera. And as we kind of start to wind down the show, I want to ask, you know, 
y'all have been throughout this entire process team focused, which in turn means client focused. Mm -hmm. What are three lessons that each of y'all have kind of gathered along the way of owning and operating a law practice? Um, you know, I'll say, look, you know, first and foremost, um, keep learning. I mean, just always learning. I mean, never assume that you know everything. The people that I've admired, um, they're always learning, you know, how successful they are. I think the second thing uh, would be find the, uh, for entrepreneurs, find that thing that, you know, that book, Good to Great, articulates it really well, saying, what, what do you love doing? What can you be great at? And it's got to make money. I mean, I understand that. And that sounds very transactional. But when those three things intersect, you lose yourself in whatever you're doing. And, you know, we were talking about the step. We're like, we, I love what I do. We, we love what we do. Um, and it's, it's like, do you love the practice part of it? Do you love the competition part more than the reward part? Absolutely. Like, it's just fun doing what we do. And then I think the third thing that I throw out there is, go do that with people you love. Does that makes it fun? And you know, there's times where, especially as an entrepreneur, where you have these peaks and valleys and you're going, you know, we used to joke like, uh, will, will this work out? And uh, maybe this will work out. And I think you got to enjoy the journey. I mean, the, the, it's all about the journey and um, have fun along the way. And so do it with people that you love. Yeah, we've had the luxury of speaking at high schools and whatnot. And I'll, I'll work through this program with the kids and I start telling them, look, if you have a job working 40 hours a week, even today, you know, you got to wake up, you got to get ready, you got to drive to work, you got to get to work. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you got to go home, you got to unwind. And if you really did the math, what you would find out is half of your waking hours are at work. Mm -hmm. Half. And if you have a job that sucks, it's usually more than that. And then the time that you're away from work, all you're worried about is crap. I got to go back to this job I hate, right? And so people make decisions of man, I'm, I'm going to go do this job because I'm making a little bit extra. I'm making five percent extra, ten percent extra, but it's sucking the life out of you. I mean that that to me, I, I'm blessed, and it's mostly because of my two partners. I get to go to a job that I love, and I don't ever stop and think, you know, am I working this much? How am I, how am I getting paid per hour? Just never crosses my mind. It just, it is what I love to do and I'll just keep doing it. And I'll, I'll think about how it works out later. And Chad's good to tell me what I need to do. <laughs> this is what you're good at, go do this. Because we made the decision that we're not going to build our firm based on each of our weaknesses, we're going to build it on our strengths. And we're going to go look at everybody and say, this is what you're good at and this is what you need to do. We're not going to go around trying to concentrate on what people do poorly. That's silly, right? Mm -hmm. That's like giving your, your lineman the, the ball to run, right? Yeah, that, that's a terrible. Idea. That makes yeah. sense. Give give it to give it to the person that throws the ball the best. That's that'll be your quarterback. Give the person that's big and strong. He'll be your blocker, and that's what we've done. We've, we've done that. And people here, I know, I do, and I know these two guys love what we do. And that you know, you say the three things. That's the one thing I can tell you that when I when I wake up, I'm looking forward to going to work. I'm looking forward to the clients that I'm lucky enough to talk to that we're lucky enough to represent. It's a cool feeling, you know. And so it, it's fun. And I want to keep being, getting better at it. And we feel like we are, but there's a lot more room to improve. Yeah. Look, the, the, the easy answer is if you want to be good and happy, do something you love so that you wake up every day. Do it and, and are excited to go to it. Do it with people that you enjoy being around because you wake up every day and you're excited to do it. And then surround yourself with people that are great at what they do so that you wake up every day and you're excited to go do it with them. Um, and, we, we went to a, a conference that was a double your income. I don't remember how many years ago it was, but it was a guy named Vern Harnish uh, who, who did this on double your income and went through all this process of what you have to do in order to make more money. And I vividly remember going around the room and the second person was a good friend of ours from California who the whole conference was like, how do you change the, the, your practice in order to make double income. But when it got to him, he kind of pointed out, he said, you know, I'm, I'm older than these guys. I'm on my third wife. I have a kid that doesn't talk to me. Uh, I've got two that I don't know very well. And uh, he said, uh, doubling my income isn't what important if I had to change anything. Because you want to know what you would change to double your income. He said, if I had to change anything, 
Um, I would I would spend more time with my friends, with my family. I would do something that I loved. I would do it in a way that I cared about the people that I uh, I worked with, and I would not worry about doubling my income. I would worry about doing a good job and loving the people I'm around. I can't tell you how many stories of the older people came back and told us because we had just started at that time about – because we went to it, we were going there to double your income, right? <laughs> we wanted to double the money. Y'all wanted the lessons. And, and, Show me and, the money. And quite frankly, the answer to it was always, don't worry about doubling your income. The, the older, wiser people were, do something you love with the people you love, do right by people, and it'll all work out. And quite frankly, uh, we doubled our income quicker than ever by doing it, I believe, by the right way, by working with people, treating our clients right, treating our employees right. At the end of the day, I think if you do that, it, it'll all work out. And that, if I had to say something to anybody, don't worry about the money. Do something you love for people you love, with people you love. Absolutely. It's easy for us because we're making money. So it's easy to say stuff like that. But the truth is, is that, God, man, the thought of, and I tell this to our employees, everybody, every team member, if you, if you are driving to work going, I, I hate going to this place, and you don't walk in my office and tell me, I I'm I'm heartbroken because I don't want anybody to live that life because we're blessed and we don't want to live that life. And so I'll, I'll mimic these guys are saying, man, do what you love and be happy about it. If not, and go do something else, particularly right now. Goodness gracious, you can't go anywhere without somebody saying we're hiring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the opportunity is boundless. <laughs> I mean, it's endless right now. Yeah. Right. There were times when you couldn't get a job, you know, but now, goodness gracious, you can do whatever you want to do. Exactly. I'll also tell you, and I don't want to get off of here. But very blessed if you have a family that supports you, that makes it easy for you to do the job you do, that steps along and goes along with it. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, we're, we're generally lucky to have that. So. Absolutely. So what is something y'all did as a kid you wished you could still do today? Uh, endless amounts of time with siblings. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's you a good one. You got nothing to do other than, you know, I don't know, go do some whatever. Play stickball in the backyard. Play stickball yeah. or a video it, game. Or video games. Games. I mean, just anything. A Madden football or whatever, you know, not Madden, it was Tecmo Bowl back then, but like just unlimited free time with siblings. I love it. Without constantly worried about what is at the office that you've got to go to. <laughs> You know, yeah, when you're when you're when you're knees deep in NFL fever, doesn't matter. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> when I have a son that plays video games all the time, and, and I, I he, he said, "Are you mad at me for doing?" I said, "No, man, I'm jealous." And not that I, I don't have zero desire to go play a video game, but I'm like, man, just to not have to worry, mm-hmm. right? That's a that's cool huge. Chad, that was that was interesting because the three of us all do a very good job of keeping in touch. And playing with our siblings now it was a different kind of playing back than it is now. I have two brothers that are doctors. I'm clearly the black sheep of the family. Uh, <laughs> but I, it's funny that family hit because uh, not weird. I, I can't spend time with my grandparents. I used to spend a week every summer with them. And uh, uh, if I could go back, that'd be great. So very cool. But I do enjoy the sibling thing too. That's very cool. Unlimited amounts of time just hanging out. Got nothing yeah. time to kill. Yeah. I've, wake, I've, wake up on like a Saturday it, morning. Yeah. Got nothing to do. Well, you, you see that. We, uh, I've hung out with Chad's siblings yeah. and his family. I've been to Hawaii. I go to games. It's great. Steve has some unbelievable brothers and sisters that I enjoy hanging with. And I think my two brothers mm-hmm. love hanging with these guys. Very oh, yeah. neat that we all enjoy each other. And His brothers are my brothers. So, yes. yeah, we all I love that. Together. I love that. So, so what is something y'all love about Baton Rouge? You already said it, the people. I mean, when I got here, people asked me, you came here from Honolulu, Hawaii. Like, what? what's that all about? I said, well, the cultures are actually very, believe it or not, very similar. I mean, families is huge. Hospitality, huge. Um, people are just kind. And, and Hawaii is a, so, somewhat of a small town, um, but people will give you the shirt off their back, and it's very similar here. I was embraced with open arms, and um, just people are just laid back and uh, love life and uh, have a good time. And that's that's what I love about Baton Rouge. Yeah, I've had the luxury of picking juries in other jurisdictions. and um, I won't tell you the city, but I, I'll never forget going someplace and I took public transportation for two days everywhere to the city. And uh, I said hello. And I kept track of how many people I said hello to. And then I kept track of how many people said hello back. And it was, I forgot the exact number, about eight or 900 people that I said hello to. 
and six people said hello back. And when I stood in front of the jury and I said, y'all don't know me, I'm from Louisiana. I said, let me tell you what I did. And I showed him a map of where I took the public transportation. <laughs> I went, oh, strange. <laughs> you went where? And I'm like, yeah, I went everywhere. And I said, this is what I did. And I asked him, I said, how many people said hello back? And, and everybody was like, one, two. They all knew the answer. And I was like, how is this even possible? And then you go to Louisiana, if you did the same thing, anywhere in Louisiana, if you did the same thing, it would be 70, 80% or higher. At least. Instead of about. Yeah, at least 70, 80%. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, so I was I was shocked. You might get a couple of dinner invitations. Yeah, right? Come on back. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, hey, where are you from? Yeah, 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 you yeah, start yeah. getting those questions. That's right, yeah. How's your mom and them? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know your mom and them. Yeah. They'll ask that question, right? <laughs> he ever had jumble off. <laughs> yeah, come on in, go to our tailgate, you know? And it's, it's just a different world. And so you see all these people in all these other areas. Look, when, when I'm in August in Louisiana, I'd rather be someplace else because it is so hot. And humid, you know? <laughs> but you go to some of these other places and, and, and people from Louisiana move there, but they all come back. They all want to come back. And it's not because the weather's great, you know, it's because the people are great. And it just, it's, it's wonderful to be able to round, to go wherever you're going. If you get a flat tire, somebody's going to help you yeah. versus, you know, Blow the horn at you. <laughs> stop is, stop yeah. causing traffic. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you say that, you, you wouldn't notice that until we started traveling. You just assume everybody is the way you are. But uh, you travel and just as simple as getting on an elevator over and over and over and saying, hello, ma'am. And the look of, of some people like, why, why are you talking to me? And it's uh, a total different kind of mindset in a lot of places. Uh, you can start guessing where people are from based on the response simply in an elevator. And you say that, that tire changing thing. I've got more pictures of Steve out there changing somebody else's tire. He does it all the time. But it's it's a boater's mentality here more than anywhere I've been. If you've been on a boat, somebody's broken down, all wheels stop in order to help. And you see that whether it's somewhere on the side of the road. We've seen the floods. Um, I'm an ancient athlete. Those guys go out and help everybody all over the place. You hear about their uh, – the Cajun Navy. I mean, that's that's not an accident. That's kind of who we are. And uh, like nowhere else, we, we step up and we help each other without ever asking. So it's pretty awesome. The food's not bad. Love being, <laughs> lo- love being a Tiger fan, man. It's, it's great to be here with the camaraderie of the Tiger fans. You've always got somebody to talk, got something to talk about uh, with the people of Louisiana. But at the end of the day, uh, it's, it is, I call it a boater's mentality, but it's it's wonderful. I think the food attracts people here. Yeah, yeah. The people convince them to stay. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Right. So for the final question of the show, what can I do to help y'all? Oh, look, thanks for having us on the yeah. show. Uh, thanks for <laughs> beyond that. <laughs> Come on now. That's the blanket answer. <laughs> no, look, we always tell the highest compliment we can receive if someone refers us, uh, someone we can help. That's it. Yeah. It really is that simple. We, we truly believe that the clients we have are lucky enough to represent and every single one. So that's, you know, for us, Somebody says, hey, my friend's been hurt. Can you help him? We're like, yes. I don't know when this is going to be shown, but we we, um, Next we, had, a, we had a pretty bad hurricane here. And um, I, this is not how you can help me, but this is how we can help the people of Louisiana. If you have a question or you have a problem with your house and it's not being taken care of, we saw what happened to the people in Lake Charles. And uh, we're there to try to answer your questions and help. We can't help everybody, but there, there are times where – uh, if you just need to be pointed to a resource, we have a resource page um, and we're there to help the people right now. And, uh, and James, you're doing live webinars on answering questions and on Facebook. We have on Facebook, a live webinar. I can assure you, we, we didn't do this before, but we started not representing people. We started doing the live seminars, putting it on the Facebook page because it's not something we do, but we wanted to help. And so we started laying out, where can you find the help and what do you can do? And at this time, I'd like to say we're, we're here to help. Uh, for those that aren't bad enough yet, we, we started helping because we had clients going, I know y'all sent me the page, but I really need help. And we're helping some of them. But the point is right here, by the way, you're giving us an audience with people that right now are suffering and hurting. I'm from Homa. The people of Homa messed up the houses. Uh, I've been through Laplace. I've been in New Orleans. There's a lot of people that need help. Um, if you've got questions, call us. We'll point you to resources to help you. Um, not not necessarily here to represent you. Maybe we will if if you really need it. But I'd rather point you in a position where you can help yourself and you don't need an attorney to get help. Um, but thank you for giving us the opportunity to share that. 
Absolutely. And thank you all so very much for taking time out of y'all's busy days to come and actually chat on the show. I greatly appreciate it. And I'm very excited to <clears throat> have y'all close out season three of the Patty G Show. Thank y'all so very much for that. Thank you. And thank you, uh, thank you thank everybody team, else man. for the team. Flashbang putting Woo-hoo! this on. Flyer, great. Government Taco. Thank you all so very much, whether you're listening, watching, tuning in, whatever method or platform you're consuming this, I really appreciate it. And then the guests do as well. And I want to thank you all so very much for being some great listeners. And if you were looking for something to do to help us share the show, check out Dudley DeBosier. Check out the team at Falaya Real Estate. Check out the team at Flashbang. Check out the team at Government Taco. They are all a part of the show and they all make this happen and help Baton Rouge grow as a community. So as your host, Patty G., I'm signing off here, the Patty G Show, episode 104, final episode of 2021, y'all. We're going to come back in 2022 and hit it harder than ever. Thank y'all so very much, and y'all have a good night.